distinguished adventurers, before we get into today's episode, allow me to briefly explain what you're about to hear. The Podcasts Into Avernus was a collaboration between seven podcasts to create one overarching story celebrating the release of Baldur's Gate Descent Into Avernus. We were lucky enough to be invited to join in the fun and became episode five in this grand story about a clandestine celestial operation to help rescue Lulu the Hollyfont. These Celestials needed the help of seven brave adventuring teams to transport them through the plains to reach Avernus without being noticed or captured. The whole miniseries is available on the Dungeon Delve podcast feed, which was originally posted there at the beginning of September of this year. Now, Dungeon Drunks has been fortunate to participate in many of these group campaigns, and my personal additional goal every time we do this is to create an episode that works in the overall storyline, but is also still canon for the Heralds of Greenest. What you are about to hear right now is that very episode, a bit awkwardly added into the morning experiences for our heroes. You don't need to have heard the other podcasts into Avernus to understand what's going on. Just forgive the fact that there will be a few more episodes before the characters reference these events. Finally, a huge thank you to Victoria Rogers and Daniel Kwan. They were the organizers of this whole miniseries, as well as organizing all of the podcasts. And also thank you to our fellow podcasts, North by Northwest, Dungeons and Dragons, How We Roll, Royal Nerd Theater, Red Moon Roleplaying, and The Broadswords. They are amazing shows filled with absolutely lovely people, and we highly recommend you listen to the whole adventure so you can discover some more D&D podcasts we're sure you'll love. Thanks for listening, and now on with the show. Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, a.k.a. Obocrazy, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks! We're an actual play 5e podcast set in the Forgotten Realms, and are super excited to be part of this awesome podcast of event. Thanks, Wizards of the Coast and Victoria Rogers and all the other amazing shows for inviting us along to this party. Our show usually starts off with me giving a recap, then we introduce ourselves and what we're drinking before diving into the game. But in this episode, we're jumping directly to the introductions. So hello, I'm Lauren. You might know me as Obocrazy, your humble DM. And for this episode, I am drinking some Jack and Coke, just something nice and simple and easy uh, for a, we're recording this on a Sunday afternoon, and it's a nice Sunday afternoon drink, in my opinion. So for any new listeners out there, why don't we go around and introduce ourselves, uh, give us a, a really brief about who you are playing and your drink. So let's start with Travancore. What are you drinking? Good people of Faerun. My name's Jack. I play Travancore. Uh, Trevancore is a half-elf beastmaster ranger slash druid, and he has a animal companion named Shadow, who is a bear who thinks he can conjure fire. I am drinking masala chaya tea. So this is made by my wife. It's pretty much just milk, water, tea, and masala. Cheers. Well, and I mean, anything made by your significant other is always a good thing. So that's that's always a thumbs up. I like that mug. Oh yeah, it has uh, well, you would. I mean, we're 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 Team J. Everyone on this <laughs> Everyone's podcast, a team except J. for Lauren, is Team J. 
Yes. We need we matching versions of that mug and one with an L for Lauren. So you, what you're saying is you can all use that mug. Pretty much, except for me, not me. This is why I often refer to you as your character names, because it makes my life a little easier. Like, Bernie, what are you drinking? Hi, guys. Uh, my name is Jules, and I play our resident cleric and healer, if, as long as you're not stupid, Bernice Q. Burns, uh, who goes by Bernie. And tonight, I am drinking something brand new. Uh, it's cool. It's fun looking. It looks super 90s. It's a heist sour pale ale. And if you've ever listened to us before, you know how much I adore sour beers. So, ooh, it's a good sound. It's always a good sound. We always enjoy a live tasting here. Ooh. Oh, yeah. That's just like a standardly really good sour beer. Um, And if you wanted to know, it's a Canadian beer, and I'm trying to very quickly see. It was brewed by Folly Brewing in Toronto, Ontario. So if you're literally in the Ontario area, you can probably find this beer. So Perfect. Carlton, what are you drinking? Hi, I'm uh, John. I play your half-orc barbarian slash fighter multi-class Carlton Tanks. And as the sober one of the Dungeon Drunks, I am drinking uh, Dublin 1891 Red Cola, uh, which is brewed here in Dublin, Texas, uh, and is made with pure cane sugar. So live tasting. Mmm. I mean, that sounds good. Yeah. How does it taste? Sounds really good. It kind of tastes like cheer wine. Yeah! I've had in the show All right. Yeah! What? Wait, you, you don't like cheer wine. No, I've had it before. It's fine. It's fine. That right. is not the reaction you have to cheer wine, my friend. It's the, it's, it's, <laughs> we don't it's have not the best thing I've ever had. It's also not the worst. I mean, I've had bacon and ranch flavored soda on this show. It's definitely not the worst. The bar is really low. Yeah, I would think cheer wine's on the other side of that way in a good direction, though. Yeah, we're tr- we're trying to uh, to encourage you to drink really good things and and uh, stop drinking the bacon sodas. <laughs> yeah. We we like it when you're happy. Me too. <laughs> yeah, and finally, Jonathan, what are you drinking? Hey, this is Jonathan, and I play Jonathan the Magimuscular, and he is a human evocation wizard. Uh, he's a fire elemental adept, and he has a adorable owl familiar named Buxton Bertram Bellwether, a.k.a. Bucks. And today I am drinking uh, one of my little concoctions. This is a Cuban Missile Crisis. It is cola and vodka and uh, lime juice, and it is quite good. And normally, when on the first casting of Fireball, I always have a shot of Fireball. So it is here standing by. Standing by. And with that, I'm kind of happy that we accidentally got you last because we're going to start with this game with you first, Jonathan, as we jump right on in. You have never seen Buck's fluff in this way before. Your little owl companion is sitting there as you are, you know, doing whatever you normally do in the morning. All of the feathers on his back and sides just poof straight out, almost like he's scared, but he doesn't look scared. And you don't get the sense of him being scared. And then he says to you, oh, I'll be right back. And he disappears. Wait, he says that to me? He says that to you. Not in his brain, oh. in his out loud mouth. Oh, no, in your brain. <laughs> okay. like, oh, it's still <laughs> yeah. weird because normally I only get pictures from him unless he's in our... Yes. Rory's telepathic bond, so, okay, that's... It's still weird. Bucks. Speaking Bucks. of that, should we do telebond while we're thinking about it? Uh, we're not all in the same room, likely. Like, I'm probably, like, at in the Golden Rock Tavern up in my room, like, you know, scribing spells or studying or something. So, uh, Jonathan the Magimuscular Kramer style bursts out of the his door into the hallway. It's like, 
Box! Box! You all hear this, by the way. And he starts going down the hall. Box, buddy! Where'd you go? How Come early on. in the morning is it? It's it's not that early. It's it's morning, but you've all been up for a little while. Box! And like I come out of my room groggy eyed because Jonathan is shouting in the hallway for Bucks. Because if I didn't get nowhere to be, I'm sleeping in. Dude, dude, keep it down. It's it's it's, dude, it's early. Dude, Bucks just talked to me. Uh, like not in our Telvon. Bernie's gonna open the door. Bucks talks to you all the time. He does not normally. Only when we only under specific circumstances, like when someone casts Speak with Animal. Basically, a, a, a spell of some sort that Jonathan the Match Muscular sometimes has a part in. Did Bucks talk to you, like, out of his mouth beak? No, it was still in my brain. Uh, but normally I just get, like, impressions and feelings and images from him. Not words, unless, uh, you know, like I mentioned before, it's a spell. And then he disappeared, like, like, pop. Did it sound weird? The weird little pompous voice? Yeah, the, the British, the, the guy with the, the accent, that's the Buck's voice? He's not pompous. He almost sounds like worried and scared a lot of the times, even though he's like one of the bravest little creatures I've ever seen. So something's up. I mean, you can be a little pompous. That's not bad. He's just a little bit posh. I think at the pompousness conversation is when Travancore is going to join in. He's going to be like, I don't think he sounds pompous, but that could be because I sound pompous and I wouldn't recognize it in others. Yeah, yeah, Travancore, yes, that's exactly. He disappeared is is the thing. But I feel like, yeah, that's the that's the key piece of information. One, that he disappeared, and two, that he's talking to you now. Like, so I don't... In your brain, not yes. out of his beak. Right. At that moment... As you've all entered kind of the common area of the the Golden Rock Tavern where you're all staying, there's it's mostly a hallway. It's kind of an extended hallway. And at the end of the hallway, there's a little table that usually has like a, a vase full of flowers, something nice that Gestock puts in there. This morning, there isn't anything on the table yet. It's still early enough that he hasn't picked any flowers. But in this moment, as you are all coming out into the hallway, Jonathan, you now hear a familiar and all of you see the familiar form of his familiar, Bucks, appear on the table. He is currently on top of what looks like when milkmen carry bottles. They've got that cardboard carrying case that they can put four different bottles in. Yeah, drink carrier. Yeah, that's appeared and he's perched on top of it, still looking very fluffy and ruffled and in all of your heads you now hear a voice that you normally only hear when jonathan casts rary rary's telepathic bond and includes your animal companions you hear bucks say oh that that's always very disconcerting okay oh you're all here this is good i need your help very quickly friend of mine is in trouble and i i i i i need you to go help with the rescue mission is it in the Feywild? I always ask no. that now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. I don't want to go back there um, for even your friend. No, this is, this is a, I specifically requested not the Feywild because I figured that, that, that you would not want to go there again. So uh, the, uh, the leg of the journey that you are going to go on is actually, actually uh, in the ethereal. Oh. Oh. Huh. Uh, we haven't been there yet. And hopefully you won't be there long. You're going to, it's just a very quick trip. I, I need your help in delivering a package from one place to another. Uh, we're, we're doing a handoff of sorts. Uh, I, and, and, and this is going to help a, a friend of mine who is uh, trapped 
need some help. I, I, I hope you're all okay with this. I know this is very sudden and, 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 and very, very, very out of character for all of us. But, you know, when, when my fellow Celestials need help, then I must oblige. Could you? We're gonna one moment, Bucks, and Bernie's gonna turn around to the group, knowing Bucks could go into our heads and go. Is there anyone is mad at us that is in the ethereal plane? Jonathan the Metamuscular like thinks for a moment, and he's like, Jonathan the Metamuscular think can't think of anyone we've offended in the ethereal plane. So I think we're what? good, Major. So we're good. We've got the the no, she, I should know is, that. I'm the cleric. <laughs> Tia, wait, yeah, we saw Tiamat in uh, in the Nine Hells, which we are not going to. No, okay. but we nope. should. When we get back, we should pick up one of those planar maps so we can start crossing off everywhere we visited. You know, like all our vacations. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, no, next time we're gonna go to Arborea. Yeah, little pens and places. Seen, I really I, like that. I've seen yeah. people do that with with maps of Faerun. Like they'll put like or map mostly just maps of the Sword Coast around here. Yeah, like little pins of where they've been. Right. Yeah. Well, we get yeah, one of the planes. Pen. Do is Rachel in the ethereal plane? No. Mm, okay. No. Well, I think we're good. All the gods we know are elsewhere. I mean, mine might. It doesn't matter. We'll see her if we see her. She understands. Um, so we're good. We're good to go with the newly talking bucks and, um. Well, actually, I'm not going to be going with you. Uh, and, and unfortunately, I don't think uh, Shadow and uh, Coco Snoot are either. I think it. I, I only have enough potions for the four of you. But hopefully that means this will be a very, very quick trip. And, and, and you'll be back and this will be no trouble at all. All right, Bucks. Tell Shadow you're in charge, and then and then you are Coco Snoot is in charge uh, at the top. But um, you can let Shadow know that think that you're in charge. You you know you can have some fun, have some shenanigans, but not with Coco Snoot. He'll eat you. Well, I I I I I appreciate all of that, but the reason I can't come is because I I I'm going to be getting your sticker. Our sticker. Sticker. Yes. So. You are going to be uh, so very, very quickly. Uh, uh, this is this is these are uh, potions of etherealness. You'll one for each of you, and you'll uh, pour them over yourself, and it will transport you to the ethereal plane. And if I've calculated everything correctly, and if if my celestial brothers and sisters and friends are all, all correct, you should appear right next to where you need to be to pick up a package. And the package needs to be delivered to an, another place on the ethereal plane. You just need to go, you need to find, there's going to be a swirling gray curtain. And he holds up his wings in like a, a, a <laughs> circular motion as though he's actually motioning in the air. And he's like, is that a death metaphor? Mm, swirling Jane Curtain. Got it. I mean. Swirling gray, 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 gray. Like not, color not, gray. Oh, not Jane. Okay. No, not Jane. I mean, they, they might be called Jane, but I've never talked to a curtain before. Ooh, so I'll have to give that a try. That'll be great. You're going to be picking up a package that's coming from one place, and you're going to be delivering it to the, the, the swirling gray curtain. It's very important you find the gray one. Don't go, don't go into any of the other ones, and don't even go into the gray one. Just push the package through. Uh, that goes to the astral plane, and that's where it's going to be picked up from there. And I need to be here for the sticker delivery. The My friends are getting the sticker that I need to give to you, put on the package to get it to the astral plane. Does that make sense? I'm trying to do this very quickly. Buddy, we got you. Yeah, I think we'll be good. You know what, Bucks? I never realized how fast you actually talk, but yeah. You, you've helped us out so many, so many times in the past, and 
God knows we've sent you into some dangerous situations. So at this point, Jonathan's going to pick up bucks and it's like, you know, it's time. It's time we did one for you, buddy. And he's going to give him a little kiss on the kiss on the forehead and put him down and take his potion. Well, thank you. This is this. Is, I, I really appreciate your trust in me. Also, this is really for a, a celestial friend of mine who is trapped in a very bad place. So this is this is helping helping some celestials do some celestial good. So thank you. And he then flies off and uh, perches on top of Shadow, the the bear. He perches on his butt and uh, leaves all of you to take one of these potions. And you can see there, each of them are a small bottle with like this swirling mist inside. And Bucks says to all of you, now, now you only have an hour before that wears off. And so once, once, once the hour is up, I don't know if I can, uh, we can do this again. So uh, you have an hour to find the portal, okay? Oh, got it. Uh One hour. Bernie's going to look down at her dog and go, Coco Snoot, you are in charge. Make sure the bear poops outside. Remember the experiment with the indoor privy didn't really go as planned. And we have to come back here for a lot. Yeah. Uh, so take the bear outside to poop, please. And don't let him light anything on fire because he's not really a fire bear. Coco Snoot sits at attention, as always. And Bernie pats him on the head and grabs her bottle. Okay. Shadow. Shadow, seeing what has just happened and hearing Travancore call to him appropriately, walks on over and does his best approximation of sitting at attention that the dog is doing. <laughs> oh, Shadow. Coco Snoot's a good role model. We, we have, we need to do an experiment for science. I want to see what the uh, the record for, for a bear nap is. So you're, you're ordered to sleep and to dream and to stay asleep and dreaming as long as possible and to report back your findings to me when I can return. Uh, am I understood? And he licks your side of the face and then immediately lays down and is asleep before you can blink. (laughs) I say good bear and I kiss him on the nose. (laughs) All right. Do each of you grab a potion vial? Yep. Okay. Bottoms up. All right. Chug, chug. All right. Is it like a, is it a vial, right? So it's a shot. Cheers. Uh, Actually, here, this is my, there's my bottle. It's my shot of fireball. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. There you go. Uh, you do not chug it. It right. is. It's a shot, not a, not a. Well, also, also it is. Um, as as Bucks will say, you just pour it all over you. Just open right. it up and the the, just the, give it a pour. the players downing of this shot is representative of the character pouring it on him and and lotioning himself up. So yeah, I'm about to go like take a shooter and then like Bucks just like flies in my face and like starts flapping like no. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Maybe all your insides would go to the ethereal plane and the outsides would stay here. Oh my god, inside the, out Carlton. Like, shrivel into a husk and you'd be like a Whoa. just a Carlton suit on the floor. Oh, no. <laughs> this just turned into a horror movie. Yeah. That's- it's not Halloween yet, guys. <laughs> We're going to Cronenberg the shit out of this. Let's go. No. Appropriately, you all your corks and start to pour it over your head. It is this weird, thick smoke. It is almost liquid as it pours over you. And you watch each other slowly start to fade away. And then you realize, no, wait, you're not you're not fading away. The world fades away. Everything around you becomes translucent and loses color and out of focus. And it's almost as though everything in the world around you just recedes behind a wall of mist. 
and you find yourselves standing in nothing, looking at fog in nowhere. There's not a, a sense of weightlessness, but for a moment you are there's this disconcerting feeling that you you're not exactly sure which way is up, down, or left or right. There's no bearings. Uh, Jonathan, there is no north. Oh, dear. It's slightly disconcerting. And I need everybody to roll a perception check. Aye. That'll be a 17 for Carlton. 10 for Travancore. 14 for JMM. That's a 12. Carlton, for whatever reason, you are less bothered by this new change of scenery than everybody else. I've seen some shit, you know. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you all have, but for some reason, this just kind of washes over you as, as ah, it's just another, it's another Sunday, whatever. Something else is going to just come in and hit me, you know, mm. so whatever. And your gaze pierces through the fog just far enough to notice that even the fog seems translucent. It doesn't even seem to have a color. It's more, it's almost as though there's just a blur in the air. And so beyond it, to your right, you see kind of an opalescent white curtain. And you just barely see the edge of what looks like a suitcase poking out of it. Hey guys, I think that's the package and the 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 curtain thingy that Bucks wanted us to grab. Oh well, I mean, I get. Well, and I like point over to like yonder, and I'm like, it's it's this way. I think I see it with my with my elf. Oh wait, no, 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 they're better than elven eyes. They're orc eyes with my orc eyes. All right, well, let's grab it. Yep. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. You all look over there. Once he points it out, it's very clear. You can see it. It's hard to measure distance here because there's no landmarks, there's no frame of reference, everything's just weirdly blurry, but it only looks to be maybe 40, 50 feet away. As soon as each of you in your mind thinks, all right, let's go over there and do that, there's this weird lurching and all of a sudden you're just there. <laughs> no, I don't like this. No, 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 no. It's a weird sensation, but you all just arrive. The suitcase is now like, halfway out of this portal it looks it almost looks like it's just floating or someone's like pushing it through molasses but the the curtain of this opalescent white mist is unmoving and and seems to be undisturbed but it's about halfway out someone want to grab it i'll grab the suitcase well wait 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 should we that's because are we sure it's not a trap grab the suitcase no (laughs) i'm gonna grab the suitcase (laughs) that's what we're gonna find out Grab the suitcase i don't think it's a trap i think it's the suitcase all right, Travancore, you grab the suitcase. As you take hold of it, and you have to pull a little bit, and it is almost like pulling out of something viscous, and it finally comes loose. Uh, no noise, but almost with a, a little bit of a feeling, like a pop. And then you you are now holding uh, what looks like a very plain beige suitcase it's a little bit larger than your standard kind of businessman suitcase almost almost like styled after an old-timey steamer trunk and it's actually got several stickers on it uh a couple on one side and one on the other that you can see uh roll an investigation check for me yay detective travancore investigates (laughs) that's a thing i do new listeners you're very good at it (laughs) apparently i am i got 18 (laughs) all right you notice Four stickers on this steamer trunk-ish thing that you're holding. 
the interesting thing is, as you look at these stickers, they seem to morph and change. The stickers themselves, at one point, they look like they're a symbol. At the next point, they look like they're an image. And then maybe there's writing. But it it kind of melds so quickly that it's hard to discern each and every thing that it's turning into. Three of them on one side and one on the other. Uh, the three that are on one side, as you examine them, you catch enough of the words that sometimes pop up and the visage that the the Feywild sticker is, is easy to discern. You've been to the Feywild, and so that one you understand pretty quick. The one that seems to represent air and the one that represents ice is a little more difficult to discern. Uh, a lot of swirling and you know, glaciers and things. And then when you turn over the suitcase and look at the last one, for a while, that sticker just seems to be gray and dark and there's nothing there. But eventually, as it morphs into words and symbols, you pick up enough that you get the sense this is from the Shadowfell. Oof. Well, it's a good thing that uh, we we didn't get tasked to go there. I, I hear bad things about that place. Oh. Yeah, I want to touch it. Bernie's going to put her hand out, and she's going to put her finger out and touch the Shadowfell sticker. And I hold out the, the briefcase so she can hold it, yeah. Yep, you touch the Shadowfell sticker, nothing, nothing happens. happens. When you pick up your hand, it's con- you are kind of noticing the same thing. You're not getting the same level of detail that Travancore did, but you all notice that these stickers kind of morph and change. And when you put your hand down on top of it, nothing happens. By the time you've picked up your hand, the image on it has shifted again. Interesting. I guess... Our sticker will take it to a new place. Yeah, I think Bucks is getting the stickers if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, Bucks said he would get the stickers. Yeah, yeah. I'll probably meet us there or some some su- such. So, All right, well, so gray curtain. It. Yeah, we we're supposed to go through the gray curtain, right? Gray no. curtain. No, 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 no. We no, absolutely no. We're no. just pushing this thing through. Just pushing this through. Yeah, it's too bad. It's a nice briefcase. Well, it's a very nice briefcase. It's very nice. Is it locked? Bernie, if you go to open it, yeah, it is currently locked. I, I'm not going to open the briefcase, but John, as we're kind of like, you know, like casting about and and uh, and looking for this gray curtain, Jonathan the Metromuscular wants to cast as a ritual identify on this uh, briefcase. Okay, so you're going to spend you're going to spend ten minutes. Ten minutes. Uh, we have an hour. I don't- I figure we're we're probably. I mean, we don't see the gray curtain. The uh, the gray curtain, right? Well, no one's really looked for it. You've talked about it, but it, it's not obviously nearby. Maybe we'll look. Maybe I'll try and keep an eye. I don't know what kind of check out of the dude to see if I see anything that would lead the way or if there's anything the briefcase is telling me or trying to communicate with me. Is it a talking briefcase? Is it like a black blade, like Forfendal? <laughs> it has not spoken to you at all. Uh, if you'd like to try to speak to it, you can. If you want to tell me how you want to communicate with it, or you can tell me how you'd like to look for this swirling gray curtain. I'm going to try and talk to the briefcase. Sure. I'm going to rub my temples and be like, briefcase, reveal your secrets to me. Either that or Fumfro. Either one is fine. Are you saying this out loud? And Oh, I'm saying this out loud. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, I have a spell that literally do- reveals secrets. It takes 10 minutes. Yeah. And but... what uh, language are you speaking it in? Uh, I figure, you know, Bucks is a celestial. I'll start with celestial and see if that, that helps. So you say this, and in your head, just Travancore... You hear a voice say, shh, we're hiding. Is he making that face? <laughs> Actually worked. Is he making that face? The face that you're making right now, Jack? I'm, well, Travancore is actually just going to be like, like that. And just nod ever so slightly to the briefcase. 
hoping this party picks up what picks it down. Well, since our perception guy isn't looking around, Jonathan the Muscular is going to try and find this gray uh, curtain. Okay. How would you like to find it? Odd looking. <laughs> Bernie's going to go, wait, wait, did that work? Travancore, did that work? Did you talk to the briefcase? Did it reveal its secrets? Well, I mean, secrets is plural, so no. Just the what? Best not to talk about it. No, let's! What's in the briefcase? I don't think, does Ju- Does Bernie have any indication that- Bernie's that- gonna do an insight. I asked, he went like this, he put his finger up on his lips. He did speak out loud. What he heard back was only in his head. So all of you heard him in Celestial, and, and if you speak Celestial, you understand what he, he said. But all of you heard him speak out loud to the briefcase. But what? only those of you who speak Celestial know what he asked. What's in the briefcase? What's in the box? What's in the box? Oh, God. Yeah, I'll let you know as soon as we deliver it. I All right. don't think you know. Jonathan the Magimuscular. <laughs> since I don't think he knows what's in the briefcase. Let's find the curtain. He's going to try and like feel around the magical ley lines and see if maybe using his skill in like planar knowledge and arcana can help like get a direction. Like If there's not a curtain, that, then he's at least going to try and sniff it out with magic. I like it. Go ahead and roll an arcana check. All right. Hey! Hey! That is a natural 20. Everybody drink. drink. Nice. And so that makes the check a 29. Excellent. Yeah, your knowledge of this plane of existence is pretty academic from your studies. You, You know about it mostly because of monsters and creatures that use the ethereal plane to transport themselves very quickly between places and also be able to retreat from places. You know that creatures like ghosts, like hags, they use the ethereal, they move through the ethereal in order to reach their targets. And it it itself is not necessarily a dangerous place. In fact, there's kind of a lack of very much in the ethereal, but it is very easy to get lost and it is very easy to end up in a place you do not want to be. As you reach out with your with your arcane senses, it's it's a little disconcerting at first because there are no magical ley lines. There's no movement of the weave. There's nothing here to anchor yourself. It's not to say that there isn't any magic. You still feel like you you've got all of your powers, but certainly the the grounding you're used to is a little absent. However, you almost sense these blips on your magical radar, as it were, like places in where there's a flare-up of something. And while you can't quite tell which direction you're supposed to go, you can definitely tell that like the portal you're next to, which also gives off this similar blip, there are others all over this place. Some above you? If there's an above, some kind of below into the right of you, if there's a, they're all around you like in a sphere. And it's just as if you have to kind of pick a place to go. Roll me an intelligence check, which you get to do because of that nat 20. That is going to be a 16. You think between what you've remembered from your studies, what you're sensing from your magical intuition, and the moment... When you arrived, when you all teleported yourself here, 
you don't think moving through the ethereal plane is a physical manifestation as much as it is a mental exercise. Okay. So we just say we want to go to the blip that's down and then we go to the blip that's down. Oh, yeah. You you think it might be a little more complicated than that, but yes, it is it is using your mind to move and not your body. All right. So Jonathan the Magic Muscular is going to to share all this information with his party. He does a lot of pointing, which also doubles as flexing. So he points up and he flexes. He points down and he like does one of those flexes where like he shows off his lats and then he does like one of those double double pointing to the side and he's like and Fun fact, we don't even have to actually walk there. We can just say we go to blip and then we blip there. Go to blip, I say out loud. Do you, what are you thinking about in that moment when you say that, Carlton? Oh, dear. I, uh, I don't know. Carlton would think that go to blip. Jonathan has described a cosmos of blips that are all around you. But in this moment, when you say go to blip... What do you think? Are you thinking about anything specific or are you just mimicking what Jonathan said? Probably mimicking because I don't know. I, although I am a semi-intelligent barbarian. You're se- you're an intelligent barbarian. You're not semi-intelligent. I am an intelligence barbarian. But I also haven't done ethereal things. So I literally would think if he says go to the blip, I'm going to go to the blip that he's talking about. So I say go to blip and I'm thinking about the one he's talking about. I wasn't ta- I was just saying there are blips all around us. Yeah. So at this moment you say that and nothing happens. All right, go to Waterdeep blip. What are you thinking about? Going to the Waterdeep blip. Like there's a blip that just says Waterdeep on it. Go ahead and roll an intelligence saving throw. You're going to end up right here. Hey guys, let me tell you how great I am at these. Mm. 13. Carlton vanishes. Uh, that, 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 oh, okay, hold on. So, Jonathan the Magimuscular has something he would like to point out. Carlton went somewhere, right? But Travancore has the briefcase, and our mission is to deliver the briefcase. So, hopefully, Carlton will think about maybe joining us, and then he'll end up here. Otherwise, in an hour, we'll just all end up back. And we can we might have a quest for Carlton because he might have ended up somewhere else, but we can figure that out. Carlton, you are now standing. You're not standing near a curtain of anything. You're still kind of in this miasma of of smoke that's a little bit hard to focus on. But you also notice that you can see very faintly, almost like the outlines of the Golden Rock Tavern. Oh, it's as if you're standing right where you were in the Golden Rock Tavern, but it's indistinct. Hey, guys. And I turn around like, hey, guys, I found... Uh, wait, what? And I realize they're not behind me. Correct? Nope. And then I think, go to Heralds of Greenest. I'll roll an intelligence saving throw. Eight. <sighs> oh, that... Ooh, everything shifts around you and you get disoriented. Maybe you did it too fast. You're not sure. Your stomach does a flip. Waterdeep and the Golden Rock Tavern completely disappear. And you find yourself just almost floating in this miasma. I had a way home and I blew it. Yep. We'll figure it out. You take two psychic damage. Oof. Barbarian's best friend. So is um, the curtain that we're at, you said it's white? It's like white misty? Uh, Yes, it's like an opalescent white. Okay. So we all have... Those of us that are left now have a home base that if 
we want to try and pop away, we can always try and think back to the white curtain. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Should we it's try true. to think to Carlson? All right, so let's do this. Let's try and just maybe think gray curtain. Swirling gray curtain. Swirling gray Swirling curtain. Swirling gray curtain. And so, and then if we screw up, we'll just try and come back to opalescent white curtain. Okay, that works right. for me. Everyone ready? Yeah. Sure. Let's go. So you're all thinking uh, to the... Gr- the Go gray to swirling, swirling gray curtain. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. Bernie's gonna try to like focus on what the white curtain looks like and picture it gray and swirling. Okay, I would love all of you to roll intelligent saving throws. We'll get back to Carlton in a second. Mm-hmm. I have not done this before, but I am going to use a point of luck to re-roll that. Oh dear! Oh dear! No points of luck for for good old Travancore. I thought I rolled poorly. Damn. Yeah. Intelligence is one of my better ones, so I'm going to let that eight roll. Just um, hoping. So swirling 17 saves. for JMM. Um, Travancore? Five. I'm hoping that the curtain didn't hear me call it Jane. And Bernie? Bernie got a nine. Okay. Jonathan, you appear next to a swirling gray curtain uh, amongst the mist. Hey, guys, we did it. Oh. You are by yourself. Oh, dear. Travancore and Bernie, the two of you... Take 12 psychic damage. Oh, jeez. That's a bad roll on my part. And appear a little sickened, but none the worse for wear except for that, next to Carlton, who is currently looking a little sickened, but slowly recovering. Hey, it worked. I brought the. I went back to the Heralds. Wait, where's, no, where's Jonathan? No, I think we came to you. Oh. Oh, yeah. God. I'm gonna. If y'all excuse me, I'm gonna do, do a vomit. A lot. Oh, dear. Wait, if we vomit in here, does it just float next to us? I don't know. Let's find out. <laughs> Bernie's going <laughs> to lean over and puke a little bit. Oh, All no. right. It drops into what... It's almost as though what you expel drops into like a pool of water. It doesn't ripple or anything, but it it seems to just float in the air and it's slowly just floating away from you. Oh, that's so much worse than it could have been, honestly. At least it's away. At least it's away. I need all three of you to roll perception checks, please. Okay. Here we go. Well, okay, so I can perceive. I'm just not intelligent enough to do anything about it. Nat 20. Hard same. That's a right. 20 for me. So 26 for Carlton. Everybody drink. Everybody got over a 20. A 20 or over. Yeah. Yeah. Post puke. All that. <laughs> oh, Curtain's wow. Holding us back. Bernie's going to start using her vomit as like... um. Like, you know how with a sextant, you sight on the stars? You're going to use your vomit? The vomit is your North Star? I love it. I love it so much. Okay. A pukey pukey navigational guide. Yeah. Bernie throws up a little bit. Uh, 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 Not like, it was still early in the morning. He hadn't had anything to eat. It's mostly a little bit of bile. It's disgusting, but it's eh, whatever. And then as you kind of force yourself to refocus, and everyone else is now focused on that, because it's weird. And it's gross, but it's real. All of you then immediately notice it's hard to tell how far away this thing is because their distance here is weird. But you are looking in that direction and your eyes lock with a figure, a a dark shape in amongst the, the swirling miasma, something with 
long spindly legs and a mouth that comes out into pincers and it seems to be large it's definitely larger than carlton it might even be like twice his size and there's a glint of eyes that lock with all of you in turn and you hear a chittering noise and then it disappears and then it reappears right next to all of you and the three of you immediately see this large what looks like a an ice white praying mantis with a long barbed tail giant pincers and glowing yellow eyes and it shitters at you and says where where is it well we lost our wizard so we think he's somewhere where where tell me now i don't know where where are we we are new here. We're new in town, in case you hadn't figured. Give it Can to you me. Give us an Tell me where it how is. To find Hi, where. I'm Carlton. It's nice to meet you. You are. Don't, don't shake it. We don't know what part to shake. Uh, are you holding out your hand? Oh, yeah. God, it's shake. going to attack you. Hmm. Okay. Oh, wow. Oh, we're not in initiative just yet. Yeah. But, oof, that is going to be. Yeah, so you reach out your hand, and it reaches out a claw. And will a 27 hit you, Carlton? Yes, Lauren. A 27 will hit me. Okay, you're going to take 10 slashing damage and 10 cold damage as it rakes this sharp claw down your arm towards your fingers. And then bright yellow glassy eyes stare at the three of you and go, with the other then. And then it disappears. What do you do? Oh, I no. think it's going to Jonathan. I squeeze like my like my thing, hand like like my hands into fists and squeeze real tight. And I think protect Jonathan. Go protect Jonathan. And I try to poof over to protect Jonathan. Yeah, let's go find Jonathan. Yeah, I don't know if I can. I can't see this thing at all, right? It is completely gone. Well, that that eliminates Hunter's mark. Um, I guess I'm gonna think swirling gray curtain again. Okay, so I'm thinking Jonathan to go protect Jonathan. So uh, intelligence saving throw. Give me intelligence saving throws this time, all three of you, with advantage, since you've yeah. now had an experience and, and, and maybe have a little bit of uh, adrenaline as... Yep. Uh, 16. 18. Oh, that's a natural 20. <laughs> hey! Huzzah! Hey, drink. Man, so many natural 20s. Kalu Kale, everybody. So many good, good natural 20s. Jonathan, you are standing alone next to this... The, the correct portal, as far as you can see. You have a, a few moments. What what are you doing? Jonathan the Magimuscular kind of thinks, well, I am going to stay right here until people catch up with me. Otherwise, we'll, we will have a extra planar Benny Hill situation. I don't know what Benny <laughs> Hill is, but <laughs> it, it's high comedy that I don't know that we have time for. And so he's just going to kind of float and be like, I'm a, just a little ethereal cloud floating in the miasma of this really weird plane. <laughs> the three of you back into existence to the sound of Jonathan singing quietly to himself. Oh, just hey, guys. Love a little tune. Hey, don't yep. stop. I like that song. Yeah, I like that. Draw my sword. And I'm like, something's coming for us. Oh, he whips out his dagger of banishment and it's like, all right. Can you, is it, if it's from here, where did it get banished to? Don't know. This thing also stabs. 
We're gonna find out then. This will be fun. New things. It wanted. It wanted. I'm guessing whatever's in that briefcase that Travancore won't tell us about. And then it says it's with the other one. And so then we thought, let's go protect Jonathan. So it's very we, weird. Should we just it, go through the curtain? Yeah, let's just, just deposit it, in the it and then if we if this thing wants to fight us, we'll we'll happily uh, send it. it on its way to yeah. hell. Yeah. Wait, we don't have. We can't put it in the curtain. We don't have a sticker. Oh, that's right. Yeah, good point. What if we go in the curtain with it? No, we were no. We specifically told not to. Yeah, yeah, but that was before something was coming after us. Listen, Carlton, if you want to follow it in there, you know you are your own man and can choose your fate. But we were warned by a trustworthy source not to do that. Also, I can't bring you back from the dead when you're dead somewhere. I won't go. Yeah, and that would fall under healing, stupid. Yeah, yeah, this is like Article 1 under Healing Stupid. This is the textbook dictionary definition of why I won't do that. All right. All right, well, put on your game faces because something's coming. Yeah, uh, Jonathan the Muscular is going to think to Bucks. We are at a swirling gray curtain. Uh, you got that sticker for us, buddy? And he's going to wait because he's not sure if this is going to work. So obviously Bucks is not here. He's not on this plane of existence. How are you trying to contact him? Are you just saying this out into the ether? Or, or are, are you... you sending it? Oh, I could just send him a sending. Yeah. Will sending work on different planes or? It might fail, but that okay. might. Do we have contact other plane? I get it. I, I like it. I'm picking up what you're putting down. So Jonathan the Magic Muscular puts his fist together. His eyes go white as he tries to transmit a, a fuzzy message to his good friend Bucks. All right. There's a 5% chance that the message doesn't arrive. So, first, give me your message. Bucks, we are at the gray swirling curtain, awaiting the sticker. Jonathan the Magimuscular loves you. All right, I need you to roll a d100 and don't roll a 5 or under. All right. Hey! Hey! Very nice. As my mom would say, what happened to those 10 points? (laughs) Yeah, man! I was re-listening to one of our shows. the the one The one uh, comment where it's like, "Sorcerer, why not wizard?" <laughs> I just feel like we had a mom that had the same priority. Your sending goes off, and almost immediately, you hear the sound of of Bucks in your head, and Bucks says, "Oh, oh, yes, yes, I've, uh, it's it's here. This will just take me a moment to get to you. Just hold on." And in All that right. moment, the mist around you. And that same horrible, devilish creature appears, not five feet from any of you, glaring at where the, the, the four of you are. It locks eyes with the briefcase and it says, give it to me. And we can all roll initiative. I, I hate how this guy uses pronouns and doesn't give us the antecedents to explain it. Uh-huh. I can't give to anything. Like, I can't give you Flunkfro. He's in a different plane of existence. I don't think he means this person. Oh, I'm Wait, what if Flump rose in the briefcase? No, shut up, shut up. Carlton, shut up. Ha, nice. Rather than this, can't really do much more than that, but whatever, why not? Okay, let me get some numbers. So, Carlton. Oh, resounding six. Oh, wait, hold on. I have an advantage because I'm a high-level barbarian. There you okay. go. Yeah. Yeah. Fourteen. I was so satis- like dissatisfied with that role, and then I remembered my I have skills. Hey, you have skills. I mean, we we're we're level twelve now. There, you you got a lot of things I going. Travancore. Uh, twenty four, but that's a natural twenty. So I'm gonna drink. God, Woo. I think we're all gonna take a drink. Mm-hmm. That. Amazing amount Absolutely. of natural twenties. Bernie. Bernie got a fifteen. 
Nice. And Jonathan. Jonathan the Mensch Muscular got a 13. Okay. Travancore, you're up first. Uh, the four of you are basically in a line 10 feet in front of this swirling portal. The creature has appeared in front of Jonathan. Fortunately, you're kind of the, the furthest away from it. And I say fortunately because of your ranged attacks. So what would you like to do? All right. Uh, my bonus action, I'm going to cast Hunter's Mark on this thing. And I'm going to take a negative five penalty to my attack, but I get advantage. I'm going to use my sharpshooter feet, and I'm going to hit him with uh, one of the Isselgall's arrows. Sure. Hey, will a 26 hit? 26 will hit. Rad. All right, I get to add 10 points of damage to that already pretty... Does Isselgall, uh, I can't remember if it does or not, does it crit on 19? You know what? You're absolutely right. It does crit on 19. It does crit on 19. Hey! Yeah. So double that damage. Let's drink Including your Hunter's Mark damage. That's right. Oh my gosh, double all the dice. Yeah, any any dice you roll, you double. Let's uh, roll the dice first. So that's going to do 24 damage from that, plus uh, another, well, two wow. from the Hunter's Mark. Wow. <laughs> Way to go, Hunter's Mark. Jeez. Hunter Mark does not do you any favors right now. I, I, you know what? Beggars can't be choosy. That's all right. You you still nail this creature. And and now that it has it's here and you're kind of at least three of you have experienced it, so it's not quite as much of a shock you notice. It looks already pretty hurt. This thing is not wherever it was or whatever it was doing, it's already been in some scraps and and seems to already be injured. And it hisses at you in between its long mandibles. And is there anything else? I hiss back at it. Let's hear it. See, I can do it too. It, that- wow, it, your mic just cut off half of that. Oh, your, like, your mic, your mic gave up. Nope, no. your, your mic noped out of that. Oh, <laughs> Bernie's gonna Hiss. look up at you and be like, "Is that celestial?" But you're speaking. This it would probably be speaking infernal. At this moment, it hasn't spoken. It's just hissed. Uh, and unless Travancore's doing anything else, it is Bernie's turn. Oh, good. Bernie would like to do some kind of check to figure out what kind of being this is. Sure. What kind of check would you like? I'll t- I'll accept a few. I feel like a religion check might be good, or it's an animal. You're not quite sure. It it, it has the appearance of like an arachnoid with a like a praying mantis basic form, but the tail. Every I mean, it is. It's kind of a horrific looking large praying mantis creature. So you're not sure. Because what she wants to figure out is if it is a celestial elemental fey fiend or undead. Then I will say giving me a religion check will tell you for sure about some of those. Because Bernie should be trying to figure out if what kind of thing it is. Instead, she's trying to figure out if Travancore really did say something in celestial or if he was just hissing <laughs> at it. She's been caught off guard. She goes, oh, it's me. <laughs> yeah, you have no idea what this thing is. Oh. Okay, so Bernie, you are distracted by the possible celestial coming out of Travancore's mouth. You don't know what this thing is. Uh, What would you like to do? Well, we know it's made of ice and we could do the thing. You know, sometimes, sometimes, you you could use a a fine instrument and also you could just use a blunt object 60 feet. 10 foot radius. Okay, um, Bernie's gonna cast Flame Strike. This thing's made out of ice. It should die. And she's gonna cast it such so that only it's gonna, the radius of 10 feet, she's gonna cast it like so that it hits behind the icy weird praying mantis, the praying ice mantis. 
and but doesn't get any of her friends. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so is it a save or do you do an attack? It is going to be a dexterity saving throw. Okay. Okay. So that's a 14. So I assume it fails. That's a fail. And now we get to roll. Now, if I remember with, with Flame Strike, this is half fire and half radiant, half right? Half fire and half radiant, which is why we chose this one. So the good news is I need you to give me all of the radiant damage. Bad news is you do watch as the fire does absolutely nothing to this creature. Your radiant pours through it and it's going to take fine, all of that. But the radiant damage is 23. That that's a hit in that yeah. So you watch as your flame strike gets called down and it it happens in waves. It's like fire, radiant, fire, radiant. It's like watching a, a, a stream of, of water that's been broken up into these different chunks. Ooh, like and when cola very... and the mixes with the syrup and the the Exactly. Uh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Exactly like that. And the the fire like bounces off of this creature but the radiant slams into it and so it it takes that damage and and it looks hurt from it but yeah it seems to shrug off the fire bad news friends with fire it doesn't do anything yep i saw that jonathan the badge muscular is not worried yeah, you saw that too? You saw the sparkle fire do a lot and the fire fire do nothing. Anything else you want to do, Bernie? Jonathan, if you have a moment, could you tell me what kind of creature that is? No problem. Thank you. Okay. That's that's gonna be all. Alright, Carlton, it's your turn. Uh, do I have enough room to get between the creature and the curtain? Or is it like butted up against it? Like, can I get into flanking? It's not between, so it's Creature, all of you, five more feet, curtain. Oh, so the curtain's on our backs. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, in that case, gonna go do do around behind the creature so that I'm flanking with Jonathan. Banana around. Banana, Banana around. around. Banana. Banana. Then I'm gonna do that barbarian thing that we like to call rage. And then we're going to uh, bring out Storm's Fury, my longsword, and I'm going to start attacking it. A 25 to hit. That'll hit. All right. Uh, do I need to separate the damage types for you? No. 15 points on the first hit. I get to do that twice. Uh, soft 20 to hit. That'll Ooh. hit. 19. Yep. And it's going to take both of those. Yeah. I'm going to action surge. Okay. And it's going to get two more. 22 to hit. Yes. Another 19. And then my last whirlwind attack. Hey, everybody. That's a crit. Yeah! Nice! Merry Christmas. All right. So, as a barbarian, this is, there's a lot of damage coming in. And as a half-orc barbarian, a lot of damage coming in. Uh, 34 points on that final hit. Woo! All right. Yeah, you slash into this creature. You, it... you know, the, the first couple hits, I was just getting my momentum up, you know? Just whirlwinding that sword up in there. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you you slice through with that last one. You really slice through a, a, a thick part of its carapace down its front, and you watch as this blue-black blood spills out and it hisses at you. Uh, it's looking pretty hurt, but it is still standing. Is there anything else you'd like to do? I am good. I don't think there is anything else you can do. I think you're out of I action. I was just double-checking. I am out of action economy. I look at it and I said... This all could have been avoided if you had just shook my hand. But you had to go and claw me. So now you get the sword. And then I'm going right. to pass it on to Jonathan. It's Jonathan's turn. All right. Jonathan the Magimuscular is, uh, eh, he's going to do something that he has 
not really done before. And he is going to first, I guess he's going to look at this thing and see if he can determine what it what it is. Okay. What kind of check would you like to roll? Uh, he is going to roll. It's a creature of the plains, and plains are arcane in nature, or part of it is. So he's going to try an arcana check. Sure. I think it's important to know what this thing is, so I'm going to use another point of luck to re-roll that. All the luck. Uh, let's go ahead and try that again. Ooh. One point higher, so 15. With a 15, you look at it for its magical capabilities, and you're pretty sure this is some kind of fiend. But you're really unsure of the specifics. Uh, it obviously has like this this affinity to ice, but it shrugged off the fire damage as well. So it, it's a di- dichotomy of a of a creature, but it is definitely fiendish in nature. Hey, guys, I think it's an ice. Sorry, start around oh, fiend uh, thing. What? Is that? Uh, a fiend? Uh, I'm not. Uh, the, more research will be required. I okay. think. This isn't going to be one of those things where you guys rip weird body parts off of it, saying you're going to take them back to the Amethyst Acropolis, and then somehow they never get back there. Is we it? might. And Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to, like, pull back his fist and, like, kind of, like, do a uh, uh, a hook towards this creature. And as he does so, appearing next to Carlton and Jonathan, a giant fist appears as he casts Bigby's Hand. At fifth level. Okay. Are you going to punch it? That is a... The muscle wizard is about to cast punch. Okay, on this one, it's a melee spell attack. Oh, shit. Wow. How many natural 20s are going to... That is a natural 20. Everybody drinks. How many natural 20s have been in this game? What the hell? All right, so... This is ridiculous. uh, It's incoming. It's the forceful hand, or the clenched fist, is going to do 8d8 points of force damage. Wow. All right. Go ahead and roll all those 8d8s. Uh, so he doesn't get to change any of the ones that he rolled, but uh, all told, that is 46 points of force damage. All right. That sounds pretty great to me. As the fist comes across and just like cracks this thing right in the side. I hold up my fist to, for a big B's fist punch, uh, fist bump. Uh, it's out of actions at the moment, but maybe he has a bonus action later. All right. Your fist connects right where Travancore's arrow was embedded in its side. And that's kind of one of the ways it does all of this damage. And it doubles over in pain, but it is still there. And it glares at all of you, obviously gravely injured. And then you watch as its skin begins to shimmer. And then from its carapace, like an expanding sphere of ice, you watch as a, a wall just comes out and hits all of you. Is it a spell? It is not a spell. Boo. So all of you are pushed as this this sphere of ice around it appears and pushes you. Uh, at least five feet, and then I need everybody to make dexterity saving throws. Oh, great. I love making dexterity saving throws because I have no bonuses. And obviously I see this happening, so I'm going to have advantage on that. Well, that's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> oh, How many no. natural 20s are there this game? What the hell? Oh, dear. <gasps> oh, the game of many 20s. Oh. Okay. Travancore? 12. That's a fail. Jonathan. Gah. A 17. 
Uh, that is a fail. Bernie got the Oof. natural 20, yes, so I'm she fine. succeeds. Cheers, friends. And Carlton got a 19. That is just barely a success. Jesus. So <laughs> for those of you succeed, so those of you that failed, you take 35 cold damage. <laughs> for those of you who succeeded, you take half. And you can feel the the chill radiating off of this ice. It is not just the worst Arctic freeze that you've ever experienced, but there is something that just is reaching through your skin and clawing at your bones with this chill. And you can no longer see the creature on the inside of this thing. Then I need to roll. Oh, dear. Hmm. Bucks. Oh, no. Bucks appears. And you know he appears because, Jonathan, in your head, what you hear is him say, Oh, why is it so cold? Oh, ho, 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 ho. And I need everybody to roll perception checks as uh, as this moment is happening. Oh, dear. I'm going to use my last bit of luck on. No, I'm going to save That's it. That's fine. I got a 20. Okay. Carlton got a 23. 10 for Travancore. Just rolling like great. Eleven for JMM. It makes sense that the people that weren't frozen solid saw. Makes sense. This is true. The two of yeah. So Bernie and Carlton, you very clearly see, just on the other side of this ice, like just f- almost next to Jonathan's face, but now cut off by this horrible fiendish wall of freezing cold ice. You see the the beating of Bucks's wings as he is frantically trying to claw his way out. Wait, he's in the ice? He rolled a natural one. <gasps> and thus, instead of telep- instead of transporting himself into the ethereal in a good place, he's inside the bubble of ice. And uh, Travancore, it's your turn. Oh, boy. Okay. I'm trying to think if I can, if there's any way to free Bucks or whether it's better off just taking out this monster. You know what? He's already Hunter's Mark. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going after him. He's right. inside the ice bubble. Oh, he's inside the ice yeah. bubble. So I can't get to him anyway. Okay. Not necessarily, unless I aim right at the ice bubble. You can, and your uh, your Hunter's Mark lets you at least have an idea of where he is, but you cannot see him, and you don't know if your okay. arrows... Well, on top of that, like he is behind, essentially, total cover, so you don't know if you can pierce this bubble in one shot like there's a, a good chance huh gotcha it's the same goes for bucks too i don't know if one arrow will free him necessarily he seems to be clawing and and scraping his wings against the this shield of ice and it's not doing very much that you can see but he has a small owl yeah all right i'm gonna try and free bucks all right i'm gonna aim an arrow like not at him but like close enough to him that he could at least get you don't have him. any fire arrows right not anymore. Well, flare bow is a uh, thing of the past. But I got a pretty good bonus this week also. I'll pretty sure I'll at least at the wall. Let's see. Okay. Well, Super. 32. Wow. That's a natural 20, though. That better <laughs> Holy shit. shit. This, I, I don't know. This like, is... All right. I can at least double the damage. Let's see. You can double the damage. Yep. You absolutely hit the immovable block of uh, wall of ice. <laughs> How many? Are you counting? Is someone counting? Yeah, it's uh, going to do 16 points of damage. Sadly, the uh, the Wall of Ice is not Hunter's Mark, so that's it. <laughs> All right, so the good news is uh, in your franticness to help free Bucks, you aim, you, you almost see with that natural 20, a natural chink in this wall that has appeared, and you strike true, and spider webs just expand <laughs> across, and it doesn't completely break, but you've done quite a bit of damage. 
And there's obviously now a weak point right there. Yep. Yeah, well, that that's good. Driving core's done. I will say you are currently within five feet of this ice wall. Do you want to remain there? Oh, yeah. Thanks for, for reminding me. Well, insofar as movement is a thing on this plane of existence, Travancore is going to will himself about 10 feet away from, additional 10 feet away from the wall, so he's 15 by the time the thing is over. Sure. So if I counted correctly, we've had eight crits since we began recording in about an hour. So we've had eight crits an hour. This is, ri- this is this a ridiculous, this, this is a ridiculous so game. This has got to be a record. Bernie, almost directly in front of your face, you see Bucks frantically clawing in an attempt to get out of this ice sphere. You watch Travancore's arrow strike true and the, the spot weaken. Uh, what would you like to do? Bernie's going to cast Guiding Bolt because it does radiant damage. Okay, at the spot? At the spot. It's just going to be a first level, actually. I did, what, do I need to make a ranged spell attack, I guess? You do. Yeah, okay. Actually, hold on. She's going to back up five feet and then cast. <laughs> sure. I think it's pretty obvious this is easy to hit, but you do actually have to try to yeah. hit. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> it's a it's a dirty 20. <laughs> you definitely hit. Go ahead and roll the, damage. The 20 uh, okay. train keeps rolling. Even if it hits a little bump and becomes dirty. <laughs> it is a dirty 20. Okay, 46. And that's 15 points of radiant damage. Bernie, describe how this ice wall shatters. Yay! Nice. I feel like it's not like a big explosion because Bernie is trying to be in control. So it's more like when something is almost broken and like it's just a little and it just all shatters down. So it's not a big thing because she's terrified that it'll shatter and ricochet and hit Bucks and Bucks does not have Bucks has, like, none hit points. Uh, so it's it's going out with a whimper instead of a bang. But it's a beautiful one. In your attempt to make sure that this shatters in a way that it does not harm your, your little owl friend, it's like a snow globe. Yeah, it's like a snow globe just shattering into tiny, tiny little particles that shimmer in the air. And... In this plane that is so devoid of everything except this blurry smoke for a a brief moment, it's like watching a a glittery firework in front of you. And it all explodes outward. And Freed, Bucks, immediately flies straight forward into Jonathan's face. He is completely chilled to the bone, but is seems to at the moment be okay. There is no sign. I risk you too, buddy. He says with an owl attached to his face. He's been face-hugged. I've been face-hugged. Yep. You're totally owl-hugged. There is no sign of the creature that was inside. And you all hear Bucks in your head say, Thank you, thank you, thank you. Here, 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 here. And Jonathan, you can see he's holding a sticker in his hand. Uh, One that has a familiar mobile face to it that every time you look at it it seems to change at one point it is a swirling misty miasma and another point it is a symbol and in the final point it does seem to say in at least one of the languages you understand ethereal Hmm. all right jonathan takes the sticker and is going to uh kind of put it onto the briefcase that i assume travancore kind of holds out yep Travancore, as he does that, you feel the briefcase almost become a little lighter and a little less tangible. 
You're still hmm. holding on to it, but there's like this moment where your hands kind of sink in a little bit. Huh. That's that's weird. All right. Are we still close enough to the curtain that I can put it through? Absolutely. All right. As I put it through, I say in Celestial, Godspeed. And while he's doing that, I'm going to reach in the bag of holding, grab a, one of our blankets from the old blanket fort, and then kind of hold it open for Bucks to kind of fly in so I can warm up my owl buddy. Bucks very quickly takes that. Detach. Foop. <laughs> and, I, and I do the little, like, the little, like, sh- like shifty, like, rubbing against the fur, oh. like the feathers. Yep. He, he almost, if you put it the right way, he looks like one of the little owlets getting weighed. Where they're just like, I'll wrap him up like a little owl burrito. <laughs> yeah. Owlito. 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 Yeah, an Owlito. Owlito. Aww. Travancore, in, in your head, as you watch, you push the briefcase into the portal and it, it holds there. You know, it doesn't like drop or anything, even though you've kind of put it into the middle of this thing and it slowly starts to move through. And just before the final bit of this trunk disappears, you hear back in your head in Celestial, thank you. And then there's a moment in where it's quiet and Buck says, well, if my calculations are correct, then I believe. And then there's this gut wrenching lurch and (laughs) (laughs) All of you end up back on solid ground where you were. You're in the Golden Rock Tavern, but you're not exactly where you left. You're like 10 feet down the hall. And you're all disturbed by that in a way that's hard to describe. No, Vernie vomits. It's pretty easy to describe. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think everyone everyone just vomits at the same time. I managed to, to hold my own because I've been at sea for a long time. And I say, sorry, guys, they said, shh, we're hiding. So I didn't want to say anything more than I had to. That's fine. That's fine. That's Everything's fine. Yes. No, that's excellent. Thank you so much. This was, this, oh, I, I wish I could have helped more, but I really, uh, hopefully my friend can be rescued from Avernus soon. Wait, what? Avernus? Oh, uh- Avernus? And with that, (laughs) we'll pause there as the next crew will be grabbing that suitcase and continuing on their journey. But for now, the Heralds of Greenest can relax and enjoy a job well done as they have helped a bunch of Celestials rescue someone from the depths of the hells. Let's go get some fantasy Pepto. Go get some fantasy (laughs) Pepto. Thank you, everybody, for listening, for uh, tuning in. This was, I believe, episode five of this show. If you'd like to hear more of this adventure, you'll you'll get another episode shortly. And thank you for listening and watching. If you liked us and you'd like to hear more of Dungeon Drunks, we've got in our credits ways that you can follow us. Otherwise, stay tuned for next time, and we'll see you next encounter. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit Patreon.com slash DungeonDrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons and extend a special thanks to our Artifact and Wondrous Tier patrons. Thank you, Megan, Christopher Waterston, Linnea Boyev, Lori, aka Calamity Jane, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.